all of a sudden I felt enveloped with warmth. The only way I can describe it best is that I felt like I was in a cocoon wrapped in this beautiful light and warmth. And I said, I said, and at this point I said it out loud instead of internally. And I said, Meemaw, is, is that you? Welcome to Simply Woke, a podcast about awakening experiences. These are the transformative events that connect us to our spiritual selves and personal truths. I'm Alessandra Johnston, and each week I speak with a different guest about how they woke up, what happened, what they learned, and how it shifted their life. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hello, hello, my woken up friends. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Woke. Thanks again for being here with me. If you've been enjoying the show, then please make sure to subscribe and don't forget to rate and review it. If I'm sounding a little bit congested, it's because I am. I am nursing a cold, but we'll get through this. So today's episode, I chatted with a woman named Devin Paget Blue. Devin is a third-generation funeral director who opened up to new truths and talents after her awakening experience. Her awakening started with the passing of her grandmother, and a few months after she passed, Devin began to experience signs that she just couldn't explain or ignore. This led her on a path of opening up, both creatively and with spirit, which is interesting, especially when you work at a funeral home. So we talked about a bunch of stuff. Obviously, we talked about her grandmother's passing and how she started to sense her grandmother's presence. We talk about how she became connected to her spirit animal, how she handles all the emotional and spiritual energies while working at a funeral home. She does share a story of how she handled a particularly difficult um, death, in which was uh, which was the death of an eight-year-old girl. So this is just a bit of a trigger warning for for anybody listening. She also, uh, we also speak about how she chooses to live her life as a beacon of love and light and how she discovered her passion for crystals and jewelry making and how she figured out how to allow the divine to move through her. So here's episode seven with Devin Paget Blue. Well, thank you, Devin, so much for chatting with me tonight. Thanks for having me. So I am curious, uh, you were raised in a religious home, but then you became an atheist. Yes. So basically how that happened is I was raised Baptist. Church was interesting to me at that point at a young age. Um, And then I actually had an experience where I kind of had a mental breakdown at the age of 12, an anxiety attack, and it was like pretty intense. And so my parents took me out of public school and put me in a Christian school. I was there for three years. And that is kind of what turned me off to religion completely. What Uh, happened during that time? Well, just it was very forced. You had to do certain things like read Bible verses every night, write it down in your own words, explain a sermon in church every week, like everything was fit into this small box and mandatory, 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 no room for well, this is a possibility. No, it's exactly like this. That's the way it is. And if you question it, you're going to hell. Essentially, I kind of turned more to science and, you know, look to science to explain a lot of different things. And of course, when it comes to religion, science doesn't, doesn't equal. Uh, One thing I will say though, is now I'm on the path that I am, 
I'm finding that science and spirituality are coming much closer together than they did before. So, yeah. So, so how old were you? You were about 16 when this, when you decided? Yes. I just remember really just despising the environment that I was in. Everybody was very judgmental. I wasn't the same type of girl as all the other girls were. I was very athletic. I was, you know, I wasn't a girly girl. I wasn't, you know, I want to wear a dress every day and read my Bible kind of thing. I wanted to be outside playing with the guys and, you know, playing sports. So it was very clicky. And as everybody knows, the kids can be really nasty. So I went through a lot of teasing and things like that at that point in my life. So I think just a combination of, I saw that as the source of where everything came from. Like everything bad happened from religion for me. Okay. Okay. So So you associated all your negative experiences with Christianity. Correct. And did you ever kind of reconcile that? I, I would say yes. Now I have, I've come to accept, you know, that I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have those experiences. So I'm, I'm actually grateful for them now. And it, it opened my eyes up to a lot of different things. And can you tell us about your relationship with your grandmother? My grandmother, who I'm going to refer to as Meemaw, and that's why I called her, is a very Southern um, southern name. So my brother and I both called her Meemaw. The other grandkids called her Nana. We were, I was one of five grandchildren. I was kind of in the middle. When I was younger, we didn't have a very close relationship. We would go to her house, do arts and crafts, things like that. I was so not artistically talented. I couldn't draw a stick figure to save my life. So we didn't really have anything to, to bond over. And the other grandchildren were a little bit needier than, the, than my brother and I were. So attention kind of, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, so to speak. Needier in what um, way? They had a lot of sicknesses or their home life wasn't as settled and established as my brother and I's were. So they got a little bit more attention in in those kind of ways. And at that young age, that's how I saw it. I saw it as a a negative thing, like, oh, you know, they're taking my time away from my grandparents. I'm not getting anything kind of thing. And did she look after you? Like, did you spend a lot of time at her house? Well, yeah, um, I would say so. All of us as a whole did. All the grandkids would probably be there. I would say probably twice a month, we would have like a whole arts and crafts day and like spend the day with her or we would go to the beach or something like that. And looking back, she was doing the best she could in the situation she had. And I appreciate that she took that time now looking back to take five grandchildren all within, we're all within, I would say a year of each other. So, I mean, we span a three years total out of five grandkids, but we're all very close in age. And so you felt kind of miffed, but I don't know if miffed's the right word. You felt kind of pushed aside. aside. Okay. So you felt pushed aside from your, uh, from your grandmother. And when did your relationship start to heal a bit? Well, she would always tell my parents um, that out of all the grandkids, I was the one she worried about the least. I was very independent very strong-minded, always outgoing and very in charge of my life kind of situation. So I moved to Arizona from New Jersey with my new husband. We got much closer when I became pregnant out there because we had something to talk about, essentially. And I'm not really a phone person. Then I moved back to New Jersey after I had my son. My husband and I did because we wanted him to grow up around our family. And I used to take my son to see her like once a week. I would try. 
Okay. And she's great with kids. This is a woman who was in her seventies, like getting down on the floor, playing with a nice. child. Yeah. So she was always very physical and hands-on. And so I experienced that love that I didn't necessarily receive as a child, but I got to see her do it with my son. So that was comforting to me in a way. It kind of made up for things. And then my grandfather got sick. He started to take some falls and things like that. And she being in her late seventies, wasn't physically capable of, you know, helping to lift him and things like that. At the time she was just starting on oxygen, um, but just very, very minimal. She would just do it like twice a day in her bedroom. Like she was fairly healthy. This is a woman who took care of herself. Okay. So why did she need to go on oxygen all of a sudden? She basically, she had a condition where her organs, like her body was starting to twist compact itself, essentially. Uh, It was her spine. Basically, her spine was compacting. So um, yeah, very, very interesting. So because of that, everything inside her body was shifting. So her lungs- Was was she kind of like almost being squished? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Um, Which she was going to have surgery for that, but she never made it that far. So it kind of put pressure on her lungs. So that's why she had to start doing the oxygen. But she never let on how how bad she was feeling. She never talked about passing, but she knew. And I could just have that connection with her. I could see it in her eyes. And I just remember like brushing her hair. And I'm um, sorry, I'm getting a little emotional. No, no. Let me take a second. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. I haven't been uh, emotional about it in a long time. So that day, it was actually my nephew's first birthday party. So we all kind of had to make a decision. She was already in the hospice unit at this point. So I said, you know, I've made my, my peace with her. I knew that she was, she was letting go. So that's the day she passed, um, was the 27th. And I remember being very, very sad at first, but I was, it was, I didn't cry. I kind of had already accepted it. So that night I spoke with my grandfather when she had passed, I let him know because he was at home. He couldn't get to the hospital. And we all felt bad about not being able to get him up there, but it, his physical condition made it really tough. So that night I, I called him and I told him and I asked him, you know, what I could do for him. And he just asked me to come over and lay in bed with him until he fell asleep. So, so that's what I did. You're a good granddaughter. Thank you. I have, a, I have a soft spot for the elderly. I always have. I worked in a nursing home for a couple of years and like as a receptionist, and I just loved talking with all the old people because they just wanted somebody to talk to. That's and all. And they have just great to listen stories. To exactly. So I can learn so much, you know. So, so, um, you know, so that night was more about me taking care of him mm-hmm. than addressing my emotional state. Yeah. So, yeah. And obviously, I mean, it's so hard, I think. I mean, it's hard for, for grandchildren, but I think it's so hard for the partners. Absolutely. Especially you couldn't be with her, yeah. like, you know, anything like that. So How long were they married for? Oh, gosh. I couldn't even, I couldn't even tell you. Um, 65 years? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. About 65 years, yeah. So then what started happening a few months after her death? So... Uh, a few months after her death, I guess it started with, I work at a funeral home. I work at my family. Yes. <laughs> my family owns a funeral home. So I'll be a third generation funeral director in the Paget side of the family. 
this is not what I did for a career before. I was in restaurants and retail. I was a store manager. And I finally just like woke up one day and was like, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. Went back to school, started working for my family. And I feel very much at home. Like this is what I should be doing. It was like my calling. So started to happen is like, um, I walked into the back door of our funeral home one day and I just was, there was no one else there at this time. I was the first one there. I was just completely overwhelmed with her scent. I could smell her in the funeral home. Like I could smell, you know, how someone's house or like their things has a very distinct smell. Uh Um, So I could smell her and I felt I immediately got warm, Um, not hot, but very like just coddled almost like just a warm blanket was around me. And at this point I wasn't, you know, I was still atheist. I was still, you know, in my mind, I'm going, all right, well, how's science going to explain this one? So then again, like a week later, I came in the funeral home with my brother. We came in the back door and I was like, do you smell that? And he's not, he's not open really to things at all. So he was like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I was, I, think I was like, I smell Meemaw. Like I smell her. And like, then he started to think about it. And he was like, you know what? Like, okay, I can smell it now. Like now that you say something, I can smell it. And I was like, okay. At that point, I just kind of was like, all right, well, something's up here. So was this happening like every time you went to the funeral home or was no, it just, just, just kind um, of sporadically? Just kind of sporadically. So in March, I, I went to a friend of mine took me to this place called the Enlightenment Cafe and they were having this woman called Colleen St. Michael's was having a class and it was about being open to the afterlife and receiving messages and things like that. So I was like, you know what? Like, why not? Let me just go. So obviously at this point, like I had already, whether I knew it myself or not inside, I had kind of already let some of that atheism go. Like I wanted to embrace what I was feeling and what what I was sensing at this point. I was just feeling very full and there was a lot of curiosity, things like that. But I, I just was being, I felt like I was being nudged in a different direction. Like you can't ignore this. You can't ignore this kind of like thing. The, like, so the smell was so significant right. that you were yes. just like, wait a second. Yes. I was like something, I was like, I my can't deny this. My scientific mind can't. Yeah, I was, out. exactly. So that morning I was waiting for my friend to come to my house. So we were going to go to this class together and I saw a raven and I've never like seen a raven physically before. They're not very common in my area, but I knew it wasn't a crow because it was too small. And I knew it wasn't a black buzzard because it wasn't that big, but it was, you know, it was the size of like a, a small cat. And I was like, oh my goodness, like, what is this? Like, so I had to like, I did a double take and I was like, no, that's, 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 that's definitely a raven. And I remember it was sitting on my fence and I like looked at it and I said, I said, who are you? And I don't know why those words came out of my mouth, but like, I couldn't, it didn't make sense to me. I like, I never saw a raven, but something felt significant about it. So I'm going on about my day. And of course I'm Googling immediately, like what ravens look like, because I want to make sure I'm not, you know, a nut job. And I was like, okay, like that really was a raven. The next day I saw the raven again. And my son was with me this time, who is now eight at the time he was seven. And I said, I said to him, I said, Willie, do you see that? And he was like, he's like, what is that? He was like, is that like a, a bird cat? And I was like, what are you? And I was like, I was like, no, I don't know what a bird cat is, but I think that's a raven. And he was like, 
He was like, I see it. I see it. Cause I just wanted to make sure I, again, like I'm not nuts, like something's not happening here. So he saw it. So I'm just like every couple days now seeing this raven. So I had to have a meditation. Um, I meditated about it and I, I hadn't sent my grandmother in probably six to eight weeks. And so, you know, I, I asked her in my meditation, I said, where are you? You know, like I haven't felt you. I haven't sensed you, smelled you, anything. And it was the most powerful meditation I've ever had to this date. I remember being cold when I started my meditation. All of a sudden, I felt enveloped with warmth. The only way I can describe it best is that I felt like I was in a cocoon. I wasn't, I was no longer sitting. I was weightless. I like in a cocoon, like a, a chrysalis. I was wrapped in this beautiful light and warmth. And I said, I said, and at this point I said it out loud instead of internally. And I said, Meemaw, is, is that you? Mm. I instantly got goosebumps. My hands started to tingle. So I, I began to feel tingling. And I learned at a later date after this meditation that when you, it's spirit trying to make contact with you. A lot of times when you feel tingling or you get a buzzing in your ear or things like that is, you know, someone trying to send you messages. So after I asked if it was her and I got the tingling and the warmth, I just, I, I just melted almost like, I mean, the tears just started flowing and it was not a sadness. It was like, it was like, you know, a happy cry. I was like, I just was so glad that she came to me and I have no doubt in my mind that it was her. I mean, I asked, I received. Yeah. So probably about a month after that. I came home and I saw a couple ravens in the sky flying over my house. And I took pictures of them because I was like, oh, people are going to think I'm crazy. I'm seeing these ravens all the time and nobody, not everybody else is seeing them. I was like, I was like, I have to take pictures. So I'm taking pictures and I counted, I ended up counting and I, there were 13 ravens in the sky, which is very uncommon again, yeah. because ravens aren't that common. So I actually did have a couple people like verify that they, you know, that they were ravens too, again, because my scientific part of my brain is saying, no, 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 like that's not possible. So I took a picture of these ravens. I was amazed. Of course, I started to cry. Like I'm, I'm just so overwhelmed by, by the feelings I was getting. And what I was feeling was just amazing. Like, it's just so hard. You know, these things are so hard to describe. It was just an internal knowing that it was a sign. I don't know what the message was, but I was getting some sort of message. That night, I woke up at 2.13 in the morning. So 13 ravens, 2.13. So I came out to um, my altar that I have in my living room and I sat down and I was like, why am I awake right now? I'm asking these questions and I didn't get an answer. I was upset. I didn't get an answer, but (laughs) um, I'm like pulling tarot cards. I'm like, all right, like, where is it? Like something's got to happen here. So no answers, but I had an overwhelming sense. Um, when I woke up, there was a sense of urgency to look at my grandmother's death certificate. Now I have access to her death certificate because again, I work in a funeral home, so I can look at it anytime I want. So the next day, um, I went about my business, went to work, did everything I had to do for the morning, went and pulled my grandmother's file and like looked at her death certificate. I immediately come to her time of death, which was 8.13 p.m. Hmm. I started 
bawling my eyes out. And my mom sitting there and she was like, what is wrong? And I, I'm just like, I couldn't even talk. But she had known about the 13 Ravens waking up at 2.13. Again, which those hours of the, of the morning, those wee hours is also when they say that spirit is able to get in contact with you a lot more. So I'm just like pointing to the 8.13 on the death certificate. And she was like, well, what does it mean? I was like, I don't know what it means. Like, I'm like, what is she trying to tell me? Like, I still haven't gotten an answer to what the 13 is per se. But do you think um, it's maybe just her saying, I'm, I'm here? here? It could be. So I just, and, and I, so I meditated on that night because I was shook. I was very shook by this whole experience. So I meditated on it. And, and the overall message I got was patience. Patience. <laughs> You're like, ah, tell me more. Yeah. So I, I, I am not the most patient person. I have learned much more patience since going through all these experiences. It's made me a much more patient person. Also having an ADHD child, you have to be more patient. Um, I understand that one too. <laughs> ah, yes. It's, it's tough. But, but yeah, I'm just like, everything's a mile a minute, of course. Mm-hmm. So it's like, patience, patience, patience. I also had a card reading done um, about a week after that. The overall message of my reading was patience. And I'm going, oh, I'm like, okay, guys. So I just decided, I was like, I have to put it out of my mind. Like, I just have to, whatever this is, I just have to put it out of my mind and just trust in divine intervention and trust in her and whatever is meant to be will be. So I just kind of, I'm always paying attention, but I'm not, I'm not focusing on it. No, but to see 13 Ravens, that, that's... Uh, I know. That's like pretty overwhelming. Yeah. There's... Um, I heard a podcast with Janet Connor and her her spirit animal is um, an osprey and she's had a lot of interactions with ospreys and I actually... it's She has really good books. I said I, I, I recommend them. So... After all of these experiences, that what what has really been the biggest shift in your life? Because you were kind of happy and content yes. prior to, or at least I thought I was. I'm always been non drama. I've always been very laid back personality. That's just always how I've been. Um, I was very much a workaholic for a large part of my life. Since then, things have slowed down, and in a good way for me. Since then. I I feel the best word I can describe is full. I have been living my life with love and light. I have my whole big goal since the new year started was to try to be less judgmental because I'm not going to lie. That was something that I was guilty of. I was, you know, and I think that's human nature to a certain extent, but I really wanted to step outside myself. You know, I started to look at things as, you know, everything is a mirror image. What I put out, is what I'm going to get back. Mm -hmm. So if I'm judging others around me all the time, I'm going to get that same judgment back. So I really try to step outside of things and say, well, you know, I don't know what's going on in that person's life. Like, I don't know what they've dealt with in the past. Who am I to look at them today and say, when I don't know what's brought them there. Mm -hmm. And being at the funeral home, I, I experienced so many different kinds of emotion and, and death and things like that. You know, some, some deaths are very tragic. Do you pick up on, like, how do you energetically deal with... All of that? Yeah. So, like, constant grief. So, 
the best way for me to put it is every day I, or at least I wouldn't say every day, probably three times a week, I smudge myself when I get home because I have to clear all that, you know, negative energy out. I actually talk to St. Germain because he envelops me in a purple light of protection, essentially. So I go in protecting myself from these situations. You know, I might wear black tourmaline that day or, or something like that. But it's very difficult to find that, you know, it's a very fine line between being empathetic and still strong for people or letting those emotions carry, get carried away. And in the position that I am, I'm there to guide people mm-hmm. in the right direction. So I have to show empathy without letting it all out and crying right along with them and all of those things. So I, like I said, I honestly protect myself every day. Um, I've been told that when I went to have my past life regression done, I actually had seven spirits that were attached to me that hadn't moved on. So oh, like yeah. if like from work? Yes. Yes. Um, so basically, and how that was explained to me was because I'm such a beacon of light, I emanate so much love and light mm-hmm. that these spirits kind of bond themselves to the light. They're, they're guided to the light. So they don't ultimately attach themselves to family members or things like that because they are going through a grieving process. So their light isn't bright at that point. So they always go to the brightest light and out of where I am and the people I work with, I'm probably the brightest light. So, yeah. Interesting. Um, so I have a couple things I work with Archangel Michael mm-hmm. to help me release those people. But at the same time, I only ask for the ones that need to move on to be moved on because I've been told that I need, there's certain spirits I need to keep around because I'm here to help them. I'm here to f- facilitate for them something that they have left to do whether it's a lesson they need to teach me or something I need to do to help their family. So do you, do you consider yourself a medium now? Well, I was told that I am and that I need to start developing my mediumship. And isn't that ironic that you work at a funeral home? Yes. It's a respect and it's an honor because I'm able to give that family member or that person who's passed an opportunity to, not look sick, give that family member an opportunity to see them well mm-hmm. when they haven't, you know, they've seen somebody run down for years or, or things like that. But it is very difficult. I had one experience where this, uh, she was eight years old and she was, oh. a yeah, sorry. <laughs> I don't deal. Okay. No, it's okay. Share your story. Oh, children. Um, so she was eight years old and she actually, there was, gunfire on the street outside of her house and the bullet came through and um she actually woke up she was shot in the chest and she went to her parents bedroom and she's bleeding and i know because you i can't even imagine like and she's just because you were safe and you're you're safe she's in her bed you know what i mean like this is a, a completely innocent child who and this I struggled with a lot. This is the first one. I, I, I handled other children, but who, you know, were sick or, you know, had a disease or something like that. But this little girl, there was nothing wrong with her. She had a pink, she had a piggyback bank that she kept next to her bedside that she had $40 saved up in that she was so proud of because it was her college fund. 
Like how, how many eight-year-olds do you know that are saving for college? Not many. That's what I'm saying. Like she wanted to be a teacher. And so I had to prepare her. I had a difficult time because this was the first time where I had to really think about why, you know what I mean? Like this innocence, this beautiful child who didn't deserve it. And her, her mother, her parents, you know, dealing with this Mm -hmm. immense grief of, you know, not being able to do, there was nothing they could do. You know what I mean? They they're prote- they protected their child, or at least they thought, you know, no parents should have to go through that. I mean, no. and again, I have an eight-year-old, who, well, son now who's eight. And yeah. Of course, that's my thought process. And it's every mother's thought process. I had a really hard time, like, dealing with that. So I, you know, I meditated on it, and I had come to accept her passing. And, um, you know, I do believe that our time is predestined. We we don't know what time it's supposed to be. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that her her death was a lesson. Mm-hmm. So she wanted to be a teacher, and I feel like she in her death she had an opportunity to teach something. Mm-hmm. Since since then they've developed a community program around like the situation of what happened and. To me, that's a beautiful thing. And actually, I went to something a couple of weeks ago, and she was attached to me. Oh. The spirit was attached to me still. And the woman told me, you know, she said, she's still with you because she is here to teach you something still. So I'm carrying her with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure exactly why yet, but I mean, because I felt like I had accepted and I had you know, come to grips with that whole situation, but obviously she's still here for some reason. So I'm just embracing that. Once she's taught me what she has to teach me, then she's going to teach others from spirit, you know, from spirit world. But I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely difficult, but at the same time, it's, I I get to experience so many wonderful people and, and being able to help them with their grief and Mm -hmm. facilitate that is just very rewarding for me. Hmm. good on you like that's not an easy and you you take it with so much grace and and I embrace it I really do yeah no I can tell I can tell so like I said my whole thing now after all this is all I really want to do is share my love and share my light with as many people as I possibly can yeah I started I told you I wasn't artistic at all but ever since my grandmother passed, I started getting into the, the crystals and the stones. So prior to your grandmother's passing, as you were saying, that there was a lack of creativity. And then after. Like, I cannot draw a stick figure to see in my life. I was a sucky colorer. I, I can't paint. I tried to paint things. Believe me, I have tried all sorts of artistic outlets. And I had zero abilities. So after my grandmother mother passed. Um, I've always been interested in stones and crystal, always wore the jewelry, never really paid attention to the meanings or anything like that. I just, I like big jewelry. So for Christmas, my parents got my son a rock tumbler. Of course, being an ADHD child, he lost interest in it almost immediately. So then I kind of picked up on it and I just started to love it. Like, you know, I could take these rocks out after each cycle and I could see just really the beauty 
that they would develop over, you know, over these cycles. And so I was like, you know what? Like, I love these. Like, let me just see. And I don't know why, but I just started, I was like, you know, I wonder if I can make jewelry out of these. So I watched like one or two YouTube videos and then I just kind of went with it. Don't you love YouTube? I do. I do. Tutorials are great. You can figure out anything. It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So you watched a few videos. so I watched a few videos and I started to get into it. And then, you know, I, then I started looking like the medical metaphysical purposes of these stones. And then I, I kind of just went all in something. just was like, this is what you're supposed to do. Like I, my intuition was like, I felt so good about it that my intuition, you know, it was just telling me like, you're supposed to do this. Like you're supposed to do this. So now I have four rock tumblers. I have a tile saw, I have a Dremel so I can drill and carve and do all the things and I make jewelry. But what I love, everything I do, the stones tell me what to do. I don't have, when I go to wrap a stone, I don't have an intention of what I'm going to do. I might have the color wire that I want to do. And I just kind of, I kind of like zone out. Like I put some music on and I just, and I do pick different music for every stone I rap to. And I let my customers know what music I did. So I have to attribute this entire creativity that I never had to finally having to my grandmother, who was a very artistic woman. Since she's passed, I mean, my brain works in a different way than it used to. Like I said, I couldn't draw a stick figure. I couldn't do anything. Do you think that by opening yourself up, that you opened yourself up because I believe that we, that when we do open ourselves up, then we allow the divine to come through us and then the divine will express itself. Absolutely. 100%. And I, you know, I have to attribute my, my opening myself up to my grandmother, to my meemaw so that, you know, spirit speaks through me for what it was. And I communicate with the stone. It tells me exactly what I wanted it to do. Actually, several artists speak that way. It's really a beautiful thing because, of course, you're not hearing physical words. You're not, you're not even hearing words in your head. It's just, like I said, I just kind of zone out and I just flow. And it's just whatever that stone wants is where that wire goes. And that's kind of how I go with it. And people ask me, well, can you do this style for me? I tell them, absolutely not. I tell people... When, because like I said, I have an Etsy, but most of my requests, most of the jewelry I do is from people requesting um, a stone to help them with something, with an ailment or depression or anything like that. They'll say, oh, I have kidney problems. Do you have a stone that could help me with that? And they're like, but I like this style. Can you wrap it like that for me? I said, I tell them, I said, no, I can't. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I just have to go with what I'm told to do. And, and generally everybody's pretty accepting of that because they're like, Oh, that's really cool. You know, yeah. like, yeah. It's, Cause it's special for that particular project and that particular. Exactly. Thing. So with my stonework, I give, I give the mental, the emotional, the spiritual and the physical uses for each of those stones. And that's why I always tell my clientele my little letter too. If it's someone I don't know, like one of the things I love about this is my stones, I'm doing it from start to finish. So I'm cutting a slab, I'm cutting a rock, I'm tumbling it, I'm shaping it, and then I'm wrapping it. Because that's why I love it. It's because I know it's genuine. Mm-hmm. You know, I know it's real. <laughs> so, you know, the full, you've gone through the whole process of it. And, and, just, and especially that transformation process too must be really right. 
And so this is just another way for me to share my love and my light with others around me. So and your you love know. and your light is very strong. I can feel it. Thank like, you. It's really like, yeah. I've, I've been told I have a lot of, like somebody stopped me in a, in a group thing and like pulled me aside. And she was like, can I talk to you? And I was like, yeah, what's up? And she was like, I just had to come talk to you. She said, I felt like I needed spiritual sunglasses when, when I saw you. And I said, what? I said, okay. And she was like, your light is so bright. She was like, it's like I'm being blinded, like when you're driving the car. And like, and I said, what a beautiful thing to hear. Like, thank you so much. And she was like, and then I keep having all these random people are approaching. That's the greatest thing, again, about opening yourself up. People used to be intimidated by me when I was a manager in retail and restaurants, like my employees that used to start for me would tell me later on, they were so scared of me at first. And I used to attribute it to my eyebrows. That's what I, that's what I thought it was. Cause they'd like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just felt like I had this very strong look. Um, I know it's silly, but come to find out it wasn't that, but now I have a people approaching me like on the street or in restaurants or just randomly and they're coming up to me and they just start having a conversation and somehow the conversation will go into that spiritual conversation that maybe they're not comfortable talking to someone else about. And like I said, it's just been an influx coming from all directions. And I mean, I'm very happy to share what, you know, I know with people, but I'm very much, I don't like, I believe I find truth in every religion. Let me just start by saying that there's truth in every religion. Amen. Man has misconstrued the message. Yes. So again, I'm spiritual. I'm not religious. That one thing I've always said is, as long as you don't shove it down my throat, we're good. So I don't do that to other people. Exactly. Thank you so much, Devin, for chatting with me today. Absolutely. Absolutely. What I love about Devin's story is how she gets out of her own way and allows the divine to come through her that she has learned how to turn off her analytical mind, which allows her to not only see and receive signs, but also tap into her own unique creative expression. I really believe that we all have the ability to tap into and connect to source, to receive signs and express our truth. The key is to be open to receiving and trusting what we get, to quiet the monkey mind so that we can hear what we need. I also love how she's a shining example of how she shares her love and light with others. After all, isn't that the purpose of being here? To recognize the light within and let it shine? So we made it to the end. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please take a minute to pop open your podcast app and rate and review the show, subscribe and or share. Enlighten love. I'll see you next week.